0: I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to the Postscript Shorts, where we spend time with LFBI students talking about their stories of faith and their testimonies of how God is using them in ministry and using LFBI uh, to equip them for the work. And this week, uh, in our very first episode, in fact, so be, you should be excited about this, our very first episode, we have Nick Hatton of Midtown Baptist Temple hanging out with us uh, and he is going to share with us his story of coming to faith uh, as well as uh, how God is using him in ministry and growing him. And so with that, Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to right be Right out the gate. Let's just, let's clear the table on this. Nick is a disciple of mine. That's right. And um, I invited him to be a part of the first episode because I, I know his testimony and it's, and it's good. We need to hear it. So Nick. Before we get into your story, Mm -hmm. before we get into your testimony, could you just tell us what you do in ministry here at Midtown Baptist Temple and and what you give your attention to and time, your energy? Tell us about your family a little bit, just so we can get a picture of who you are right now. Yeah.
1: My family, um, we live in Kansas City. Um, I'm married to Hannah Haddon. She's she's my wife. We dated for years before we got married, seven years about Mm -hmm. that. Uh, We've been married for three years now. And um, we have a son whose name is Shiloh, uh, so he's, he's awesome, he's one and a half years old, mm. and uh, he came after two miscarriages, so yeah. he's been a huge blessing in our lives, and uh, God's really blessed us and, and, and my
0: family. No, um, yeah. oh, man, your family's the best. So, like for Eva and I, it's like having your little brother and little sister. They, we live kind of close to each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice. We get to spend a lot of time together. But you also do a lot here at the church, ministry wise. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about the discipleship ministry and your role in discipleship ministry, as well as the college and young adult. Class.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, discipleship ministry, uh, Hannah and I work in sort of an administrative role on the discipleship team. So, what we do is we facilitate the entire pairing process mm-hmm. for anybody who goes to the Costa discipleship class. They submit a pairing form, say that they're ready to be paired up. And throughout the, the entire church, throughout all the fellowships, we work with the pastors to get suggestions for, for those people to get discipled. Uh, and then we pair them up and, and send them on their way. Yeah.
0: It's kind of stressful. A little bit. A little bit stressful, Yeah, but d- a critical work because- we don't just put names in a hat and have people draw names. Like Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that pairings make sense because Mm -hmm. there's personalities involved, lives involved, counseling involved. Mm -hmm. It's it's an important job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's a ton of communication that goes into that, but we've been doing that for about two, two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's been great. So um, in addition to that, we're a part of the college and young adult fellowship, Kaya. So we've, we've been involved in that fellowship since the very beginning. Um, we've always been a part of Bible studies through, through Kaya. And up until recently, we were a part of the Grandview Bible study mm-hmm. that was led by Alex and Amanda Allen. Uh, and in the last year we, we planted uh, South Kansas city Bible study. Um,
0: Hannah leads a, a women's Bible study. I lead a men's Bible study. And now you guys are just, just now starting the work of planting. Yes. Bi- Bible studies from out of your Bible study. Right. Yeah. We're, so.
1: yep. Um, so my Bible study splits after this next week. Mm-hmm. We're sending five guys to go plant to study in Shawnee. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been awesome. It's been a really, it's been a fruitful year uh, in that group of people. Yeah.
0: Can you ever, if like, could the Nick Hatton of 2012, No. imagine <laughs> no. for a second the, the Nick Hatton of 2022 not even for a second. He'd probably hate that guy. Yeah, he, he,
1: he, he would not. He would not like the guy of 2020. Okay, let's talk
0: about let's talk about how this happened. Like okay. what God did in your life, because when I knew you, when we met, you were a student in my class. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least Summit at West. You weren't a believer. Mm-hmm tell us about how God worked in your life and and, and the process of getting to a place of faith and and maybe tell us about your upbringing a little bit. Paint a picture for us. Yeah,
1: um, so I grew up in a little town called Kingman, Arizona, and it's a little place just on the northwest border of Arizona and Nevada.
0: Yeah, if people Google search Kingman, Mm -hmm. what will they find? They'll find stuff about
1: Route 66. Okay. And they'll find like stuff from the movie Cars, the Disney movie. Oh. Because it's like, like it gets called out in that movie and stuff like that. But that's about it. That's the extent of it. Elvis stopped there once um, on the Route 66 Roadshow or something like that. <laughs> but that's, that's about it as, as far as what you'll see in Kingman. How'd you end up in Kansas City? Uh, when I was 15, so the summer before my sophomore year of high school, my dad got a promotion to the company that he mm-hmm. uh, worked for and it just landed us here in Kansas City. So we just got moved through my dad's work. Um, so we, you know, m- throughout the 15 years that I lived there, I've now lived here for almost 15 years. During mm-hmm. my whole childhood, really, my parents are awesome people, uh, awesome parents. I had, a, I, we have a brother. I have an older brother as well, um, and they raised us great. Like they were very loving, always cared for us. But we didn't, we we didn't go to church. We didn't talk mm-hmm. about church. We didn't talk about faith um, outside of my mom sharing the the story of Genesis from like the picture Bible mm-hmm. when I was like four. Like that was it. I was like, well, that's that's all I need to know.
0: Yeah, about I'm good. how I
1: got here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I probably believed that up until, you know, at some point in middle school where I was mm-hmm. like, well, you know, none of that, none of that's real. Like yeah. That's
0: evolution just, and stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 The, you know, the normal things. It yeah. changed week by week. Sure. To a little bit, you know, with variations. But um, so when I moved here, uh, I, I was pretty angry at my parents. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm 15. I got to move in the middle of high school.
0: Angsty skateboarding. Camp. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So I was, I was big into skateboarding. Um, I was also really big into sports and like school prior to moving here. Mm-hmm. I was on like student council and stuff like that. I was, I was going to be a politician someday. Wow. No, I was, but anyway, I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but that was like the level of involvement I had
0: with school. Sure. It was a big deal to mm-hmm. you.
1: So I moved here and I was like, I'm not going to do anything that lets my parents know that I feel happy here. Like I want them, oh, okay. you know, like that, that was my 15 year old mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I just skated, I stopped playing sports yeah. and just delved completely into the skateboard culture of Kansas City, which is which is huge. Yeah. There, there's a lot of skateboarding happening in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that lifestyle comes um, praise for basically just sinful and reckless decisions. yeah, right So I, I got I got swept away uh, in that culture and from about 16, Um, all the way to 20 years old, I, I really just became really selfish and desired to, to please myself, to get praise, to, to gain reputation, whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. Like I was trying to, to get my leg up against, I don't even know who, you know, I'm just trying to get to the top of what I could get to. Um, and in time that, that all kind of came to a halt in my, when I was 20 years old, uh, my decisions, um, things that I didn't even have control of just, just overwhelmed me. And I found myself in a place of like absolute chaos, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and for, for two years, I would just remain in that place, just riddled with depression and anxiety, uh, feeling out of control. Uh, I began to hate like things, the the world, everything, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I was really upset. Um, and after a couple of years of being in a difficult situation and uh, constantly just feeling like there was no way out, like I, I got to a point where I, I, I was having thoughts of like, man, it'd be better off if I just wasn't, you know, if I just didn't have to be alive. Like I don't, I don't mm. see the point of, of going on and, and moving forward uh, and having to be in this state. And that was a super sad thing for me because I had a good childhood and like I would reflect on my life and be like, man, like even even people with good Childhoods, the world still eats you up and spits yeah, you out. And, right. and it doesn't, that doesn't even matter. Um, so after a long time of feeling that way and feeling upset about being that way, I decided one day that I just didn't want to be that way anymore. It was like mm-hmm. 10 PM at night uh, at 2000, in 2014. It was February on a Thursday. And um, I, I was thinking I've done everything in my power to, to try and get out of this, this place that I'm at. Um, and then I had this thought that, well, I never, I've never asked God to help me with this situation, which isn't a thought I would have, I would have had. And again, cause I wasn't raised to mm-hmm. necessarily think that way. Um, so I, I, I got down on my knees in my bedroom at 10 o'clock at night and, I I looked up at my ceiling and I said, Jesus, like, that's what came out of my mm-hmm. mouth. You know, I said, Jesus, please give me a reason to live right now. Like I, I, I wanted, I wanted to sign in that moment, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I was desperate. Mm-hmm. and um, I waited, nothing happened, you know, obviously there was no sign, and I was just, my, my thought was like, well, dang it, like, okay, so I, I get up, I get into bed, I'm thinking I'm just going to go to bed, and uh, I get this phone call 20 minutes later, um, like, after that moment, and uh, it's, 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 I see my ex-girlfriend's face on a caller ID. Yeah, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah, who I'm now married to. Right. And I hadn't spoken to her for six months, and we we had a conversation where she kind of asked me how I was doing, and very random, you know. I mm-hmm. never expected to talk to her again at that point,
0: really. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, but that conversation ended with her inviting me to go to church with her on that Sunday, and I was like, "Yes, I'll go." Like, I want I want to go.
0: There, and it wasn't you even took about, that. As that was the sign.
1: Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> you know, honestly, yeah. it wasn't about seeing her. I just wanted to get to church. I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I waited anxiously that whole week. It was like a few days. I had to wait. Um, and like I woke up Sunday morning at like six o'clock, this church, the service was at like 10, 10, AM. And I was just anxious to be there. And I could, you know, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I get to, to church and it's just a local Kansas city church, not M B T or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and worship starts and I don't know church. Like this is right. my, this is one of the first times I've ever been to a church service in my life. I'm 22 years old. Uh, and immediately I'm just like, I'm going to worship like with this group of people. I don't even necessarily understand what we're doing, but I'm worshiping, I'm 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 crying, you know. Yeah. Um I'm broken and like I know I need healing and and just after uh just after worship they somebody came up on stage and shared the gospel and um like I heard it. I had ears to hear it in that moment and knew I needed a savior and knew I was a sinner and that without Christ I was hopeless and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that morning.
0: Mm. Um so, so that's, that's my, that's my testimony, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's good. And shortly after that, you and Hannah started dating again, mm-hmm. separate motivations. Yes. But, but um, that, that relationship was rekindled. Yeah. And you guys reached out to, that was about the time you reached out to me. It was probably, how, how long after that? So it was actually, it was actually two years after that. Okay. So for two years, we just couldn't, we didn't end up getting plugged
1: into that church. Mm-hmm. We wanted to know how to be Christians like the right way, but we just couldn't figure it out. We we were both seeking investment mm-hmm. in our lives and we had gotten engaged around the time that we reached out to you. Uh, and we decided like, well, we, we just gotta get, we gotta go through Christian premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. So at that time, Hannah reached out to you, mm-hmm. right? And um,
0: basically asked if you would
1: do it. We didn't know like how you were connected to a church. We, didn't re- we hadn't talked to you in a long yeah, time.
0: Yeah, Mr. Briscoe yeah. is a Christian. Yeah, that was it. Yeah.
1: And you said, yes, that you'd you'd take us through premarital. Mm
0: -hmm. And I didn't know you were a believer. I knew Hannah was. Mm -hmm. So that first night at premarital, I remember kind of grilling you, like getting you like isolated and and grilling you about whether or not you, you had come to faith because I didn't know you as a believer. Right. And so when I heard that you were, you were following Christ and that you'd been saved really from there, God just built built a really tight relationship. Like we've grown together and, and, it's been, it's been a blessing. Eva loves Hannah mm. and it's a very close relationship. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've grown since then. You, I, I had the privilege of discipling you. Right. Yeah, so we did discipleship. Yeah. So we, we, we finished premarital. I
1: think the week after our honeymoon, we started discipleship in, mm-hmm. in 2018. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and that was awesome because that's that's what I was looking for for two years prior: is someone that would invest the word of God into me, just show me what the Bible said and teach me like how to understand it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we we you know it took us about a year to yeah. get through it, but um, it was great. I, yeah. mean, I came I came ready to learn every lesson. I yeah, think. and I want
0: to point that out. Like I think I think that now that you're on the discipleship team, mm-hmm. um, obviously you care about discipleship; it's a big deal to you. Yeah. Right, so uh, it's a motivation of yours. You you said that you came ready to learn. How important, how critical is it for someone to have the right spirit when they approach discipleship? Like from what you've learned and what you've experienced, what does that right spirit look like when someone engages in discipleship?
1: Yeah, um, man, it's it's so important, right? It's so important that you come ready to learn at each and every lesson, and even if you're not doing a lesson, like just spending time with your discipler. Uh, in the discipleship phase, is it, it's so important. What's happening in discipleship is a, a, a life that's that's based in Jesus Christ and in, in the Word of God uh, is being transferred from one follower of Jesus Christ to another, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you are taking that seriously, if you're looking at it from the right angle, you're learning this so you can invest it into somebody else also, so you could just continue the handoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it plays into to the fact that I didn't have anybody doing that for for so long after getting saved that like I wanted to do that myself, you know, when I when I could, when I was ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's everything; it can change the entire outcome of of that relationship
0: yeah. and what's produced from it. Right, the fruit for sure. that comes out of it for sure. You had the privilege; you're a teaching elder here now at Midtown. So fast forward, you know, to 2022, mm-hmm. you're a teaching elder here at Midtown, and um, Man, God's done so much. Uh, you had the opportunity to baptize your dad, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, now two weeks ago. Yeah, but about two weeks ago, big deal. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about that story. That just the, all the prayer that went into that, and the energy of of you know witnessing to your parents, mm-hmm. and just all of that. Tell us just briefly, what did God do in your life to get them to a place? Yeah,
1: yeah. So briefly, um, you know, like I said, we weren't raised like in a, you know, a faith-filled home or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. Good parents, just absent faith. Um, so really, really pretty quickly for when I started like going to discipleship and going to Bible study and like Hannah and I wanted to have a, lot, a marriage that was based in, in Jesus Christ, right? Um, they noticed that, and they had questions about it. It was weird for them, I think, probably to some degree. Um, my mom, uh, I think she's always believed, um, but again, it just wasn't like ble- like opportunities to to move forward in her faith weren't yeah. weren't there yet. You know, we tried to minister to my to my parents, and and my dad was the tough one, like mm-hmm. in that, just because he he's a very you know he comes from humble beginnings. He works really hard. He's done great for his family. Um, and it's hard, you know, when you when you don't have to rely on other things mm-hmm. uh, for anything, like why would you rely on God for anything right. if you've got it all for yourself? So in time though, uh, and I think through the miscarriages that Hannah and I experienced and the birth of our, our, our son Shiloh, um, and just maybe seeing the consistency in Hannah and I's life and uh, the joy that we have, mm-hmm. um, he began to get curious and we we prayed for four years for for my dad to to just be curious to want to ask questions and, and to ultimately want to get to a point where he was he wanted to get saved right mm-hmm. uh, and after after three years um, he he started going to church here and there they would they would come be guests in you know in main service and stuff like that um, but just before the new year uh, he he had. He'd come three weeks in a row at this point. Both my parents had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they went to fellowship here for the first time. Yeah. And, which is like our Sunday school hour. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and they went to Chris best fellowship mm-hmm. and um, man, I guess, I guess they were just ready to receive it. Cause at the end of that, that hour they, uh, they got with Chris best and, and Christine and they were just asking questions about getting saved and what the, you know, how they can do that. And um, Chris, you know, opened up scripture and showed them. And I think it was the first time that either of them had
0: ever seen that. Clearly like, seen yeah. that salvation is mm-hmm. a gift from Jesus Christ, death, yeah. burial, and resurrection.
1: Yeah. And I, and you know, Chris, Chris just asked me, said, do you guys want to do this right now? Do you guys believe in this? And do you guys, do you guys want to get saved? And they both said, yeah, we want to do it right now. So, so they both got saved, man. Praise God. Um, y-
0: you could probably count on one hand how many times you've had that level of elation. Yeah. Because after service- I, the, it was like the rumor mill mm-hmm. it was like buzzing, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, hey, did you hear Nick's parents accepted Christ and? Yeah. You looked like you had just seen a ghost. You were yeah, just so I could, shocked. I could not. Yeah, you know.
1: Um, it was all God. Yeah. Man, at the end of the day, that's what it was, and um, and it's it's awesome too. Like my again, my dad got baptized. Mm-hmm. He asked me to do it, and. Um, it's just cool, man, to see them get saved after all that time, and now they're they're getting discipled. They're just taking steps forward in obedience and, and just trusting that, that God's going to do
0: something in their lives. So great, yeah. Um, now you're an LFBI student, which mm-hmm. is the reason we selected you to to do to tell your story um, for the show. Tell us about LFBI and why it's been important for you in your growth, um, and how it's accelerated your growth, and how it's prepared you for ministry. Maybe just speak to some of the the aspects of LFBI that have been beneficial to you.
1: LFBI has been um, the the vehicle at which I've been able to 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 get like this in depth study and understanding, and to be able to go through every book of the Bible and see how how it how the Bible is built and understand the structure of it. I mm-hmm. mean. Absent LFBI and, and, you know, in really your investment in my life and other, other people as well, I don't, I don't think I ever would have been able to just answer certain questions that members of my Bible study have yeah. on a daily basis, right, right? Right, And it immediately translates to counseling mm-hmm. situations, um, to, to situations and conversations between my wife and I, when
0: I mm-hmm. think about
1: how I'm going to raise my son, like a- everything about it carries over into, into the real world. Right per se, but, um, yeah, I've been an LFBI student for about three years now. Um, and, uh, it's, it's been awesome. Yeah.
0: What, uh, of the classes you've taken so far, what's your favorite class? Or you could say more than one, I guess, if you needed to.
1: Yeah. Um, my favorite class that I've taken so far and like, I don't know, you can call me a, a a church nerd, but I think it's church history with, Mm -hmm. with Greg Axe. Like, cause there was so much about church history that I just did not understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are some of my favorite episodes of the, of the postscript as well is, is when Greg Axe gets on there and starts talking about church history. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Romans class was awesome mm-hmm. for me as well. So you, you love,
0: you love you some Greg X.
1: I like Greg Axe, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do. His
0: personality is phenomenal in a classroom setting. Cause he's, he's funny and gregarious yeah. and dry. Yeah. It's, it's fun listening to him mm-hmm. teach. Yeah. He's, it's great. Um, what's your favorite episode of the postscript? Just the ones with Greg, any of the ones? With no, Greg?
1: no. Uh, so those, uh, I, I love that information. My favorite episodes of the postscript are the ones that feel most applicable to me. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to Chris best, Chris best episode, uh, on early childhood development mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm hmm. I love your episode on the significance of suffering where James mm. interviews you. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's like a super good episode. Um, I love it. And then, uh, even, even like the, the, the episodes on like discovery Bible method, the more recent one mm-hmm. that you did, like that's great too. Um, but I like so many, man. It's, yeah. hard, it's hard to pin it down,
0: you know? <laughs> no, it's cool. It's, it's an unfair question, especially since you're sitting in front of me. You just said episode, all the episodes that I'm in. I can, like, I, I like those episodes. I can say
1: episodes that you're, you're in all the episodes, Brandon. That's true. That's a good
0: point. <laughs> it's hard not Where talk. I get interviewed. Yeah. I try to avoid that, by the way. I don't, do, enjoy, do have- I don't enjoy getting interviewed. I only do that when I've, I've been persuaded time and time again hmm. that I'm supposed to do it. I wonder why. Why well, I don't like it? Why tell me why you don't like getting interviewed? What, do you like it right now?
1: Do <laughs> you like being I'm on the, that side? I'm the one asking the questions now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a different time type of nervousness. Yeah, anxiety involved with that. So, man, so LFBI has been a blessing, mm. uh, and and I, I can see as your pastor, I can see you growing. I can see God using it to grow you and expand your ministry and your ability, your, your, your capacity to minister to people. Mm. That's been awesome. That's been a wonderful thing to see. And, and I'm grateful for that. Um, in closing, in closing, do, do you feel um, able, uh, willing to share vision the vision that God has for you, at least at the level that you understand it, um, the call on your life uh, to follow him? Where do you see God taking you? So,
1: you know, like past discipleship and um, Bible study and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think I feel the pull to to the past to the pastorate at some at some level, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's hard to understand what that means, uh, and to, to 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 say it it doesn't necessarily mean I I'm ready for it, you know? Yeah. But um, you know the the traje- the trajectory of where I'm at right now, I, I think. You know, in, in affirmation from my leaders within the church, you know, I, I see that potentially being something mm-hmm. that, if nothing else, that I need to be taking extremely seriously. Yeah. Right. And praying about and mentally preparing for and physically preparing for.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good that you said it. I'm glad I made you say that. Yeah. You, you made me say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> was that hard to do? No. It, was, okay, it was fun. Good. Dude, I love you. Love you too, man. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for having
1: me. It was the,
0: fun. Do you like the idea of us doing these stories with people?
1: Yeah. I think these, these uh, what do what they call again? Postscript shorts? Yeah. Right? We're going to call them shorts, I which I
0: hope that the logo does not become like a pair of shorts. Yeah. That would be bad. That's a, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. <laughs> um, but we're, I think we're going to call them postscript shorts. Yeah. That's a cool name.
1: I, I think so, man. I think people are going to really like these. Yeah. Good, man. Absent this one.
0: <laughs> Except this one. Yeah. We're getting this one out of our system. Yes. Right. The first this, one's a test The first test one's test terrible. Yeah No, it was good, dude. Thank you. I had a lot of fun just hanging out. Me too, man. And we wanna thank you for hanging out with us for our very first episode of Postscript Shorts. Uh, we believe that that testimonies are important and that um, people can grow in their own faith when they hear the stories of other people, that it's, that it's provocative and it can stir you and it can cause you to consider where you're at. Uh, Paul employed te- his testimony many, many times in order to stir up the audience that he was investing in. And so we believe that testimonies are powerful, which is why we want to do this show. And we wanna encourage you uh, through these stories uh, to consider what your own growth looks like. Uh, maybe you're not Nick. Maybe maybe you don't know um, who you're supposed to be in ministry or how God's leading you. You don't have a call in your life yet. Uh, that's okay. Um, God has made you a missionary. <laughs> right where you're at, uh, in your neighborhood, in your family, and uh, you need to get equipped and you need to get invested in. And so don't be afraid. Uh, Come plug in with us at LFBI. We love you. And we hope to see you again uh, next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless.